Welcome to Dead Harvey, where we are going to be talking about what's going on in indie horror, stuff we're watching, stuff in the news, and of course, we want to talk about uh, new films and filmmakers and give people information they might need to get new films out there and to get more people watching those films. So we've got our new format here that we're going to roll with, where we talk about the news and then what we watch this week and what we're going to watch next week. So we're going to start. We're going to start with the news, and this one's actually concentrating on a bunch of projects that are out there. Last week, we were talking a lot about some of the platform changes and stuff and about streaming, but there's a lot of interesting news came out last week that uh, that talks about different films and projects we like. Now, this one's not necessarily indie, but I think this first bit of news affects indie horror, mm-hmm. and it is that um, uh, there's a Chinese superstar actor, Wu Jing, has joined Jason Statham in Warner Brothers' Meg 2. Now, why I think this is exciting is there's two reasons. One, we're going to get a Meg 2. Two, we're going to get another shark man, movie. We're getting, well, basically, it's, yeah. it's all wrapped up in one. Mm-hmm. Shark horror is not dead because shark horror mm-hmm. is keeping indie horror alive. If you go on Tubi, Shutter, mm-hmm. there's so much shark horror, it's not even funny. So if the big boys like Warner Brothers think shark horror is still alive, shark horror is still alive. Yeah, this is like high budget shark horror. This is proof of uh, shark horror being still alive right now because tons and tons of indie micro low budget shark horror. But this is like super high budget shark horror. If Warner Brothers is getting behind this, that also means that like there is just people are buying like Shutter, Tubi are taking shark horror, and it still has legs. And I'm I'm not done with it. It's kind of like remember when zombie movies kept cranking out, and eventually we're like, is The Walking Dead going to kill zombie movies? And kind right, of zombie yeah. and zombie movies have trickled down. But I still think. I still think shark horror has legs. We're yeah. still, that's what that to me, this news reads expect more indie crap shark horror. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, the occasional high budget shark horror too. And great to see that the uh, Ben Wheatley is directing the Meg too. Yeah. And of ben course, Wheatley, yeah, yeah, Ben Wheatley is awesome. I like, I, I remember when he first came on uh, with kill list and uh, following along with, with, with like if you, by the way, yeah, Ben Wheatley, watches early stuff he comes from a fully indie horror background he's done some awesome stuff originally uh and to get to something as prestigious as meg 2 just shows that uh there's a path for everybody yeah although i think it's probably hard to make a better movie than kill list but this one will be a great uh popcorn entertainment movie yeah oh yeah no this is just good news because i know it's a brothers and big news but but like yeah ben wheatley has an indie horror background awesome to see him getting paid and two uh, this is awesome for the the indie horror, horror shark horror world. Like, yeah, so. definitely. Funny, yeah. like I saw like on Tubi or something, I think it was, and they had like they broke down all the different like shark horror movies into different sorts of like little shark horror genres, like cannibal sharks or like <laughs> uh, you know, like they're like uh, sharks with like ten rows of fangs. And they had like all these. There was like ten or twelve of them. I'm like, damn. The best part, yeah, the best part about it is that sh- there's so much indie shark horror now. Yeah. That there's indie shark horror subgenres. Yeah, exactly. That's that was awesome. So, um, so next piece of news that I that I saw last week, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, I find anyhow. So, Foo uh, Foo Fighters frontman Dave Grohl, um, they the Foo Fighters produced uh, an indie horror comedy called uh, Studio Six Six Six. Yeah, uh, and here's the cool thing about it. So this one actually is a legit indie horror so the Foo Fighters rented a mansion to record their latest album and joked around about it being the set of a horror movie and (laughs) thought fuck it let's turn it into a movie let's do it so they hired um all I know is I can't remember the name his name but he basically did Slayer videos and did that last Mm -hmm. uh 
that that 20 minute slayer kind of movie thing that they did a while ago and they hired him to come on and do it so it's a bunch of just real crazy indie horror guys they re-rented the mansion and yeah. shot this indie horror now what's cool about it is no one streaming has picked it up yet and, mm-hmm. and i think that's by design they're getting a theatrical release yeah. with it and uh it's a true it's an indie movie that just foo fighters dave Grohl was like fuck it let's make a movie and it looks pretty damn awesome if you've seen the trailer. Uh, I think it looks great. And it sort of reminds the marketing for it reminds me of the Pick of Destiny when that came out. I remember the Jack Black movie, Pick of Destiny. I almost saw it at the theaters. But this is kind of like one thing like we were talking about streaming the other day. Since um, streaming is more prevalent now and the theaters are just trying to stay alive, like especially yeah. AMC, they cut the show times down. So usually I would go see movies at like 11 in the morning. Then like you got the rest of your day to do whatever. But our show times don't start until like you know, most of them aren't till like at least five. And so, you know, by that time, I'm like too lazy to go. Except yeah. for Batman, I'll be seeing that next week. But uh, but this one, but I was like, but I was, I almost saw that, but I was like, and I should be supporting theaters more. So I feel kind yeah. of bad. Well, about it's, it. It's, looks, it's, it looks very cool. And it's an indie horror getting a theatrical release. Because I don't think, I mean, I mean, obviously they have money, so they didn't have to, then they got a bunch of people to back it right off the bat. Like if Dave Grohl says, hey, I got an idea for a horror movie you know, someone's going to fund it, but, but yeah, no, I think it's pretty cool. Can't wait to look for it. And a bunch of people were like, Hey, where can I watch it? And they're like, can't it, it, it go to this, go see it in the theaters. And, and then you'll wait to find out. Something uh, I heard about just, I'm oh, sorry to cut you. Something I heard about just recently, but it's right here with the streaming. They're charging more for Batman than any other movie. And it looks like this is going to be something that's going to start happening. These higher budget movies, they're going to start, they're going to charge like a dollar or two more, but they're not going to put in like the multi-level mark charging for it so like if it's a movie like a low budget indie movie they're gonna charge the same amount it's like a high budget blockbuster but they're gonna charge even more now for the high budget blockbusters at least they're starting this with batman but i'm curious to see what's gonna happen that's crazy that's just because they need to make money back yeah i noticed last time i went and and Mm -hmm. went to like a kid's movie like you know you're in for you're in for a hundred bucks to take a family oh, to, a, to, yeah. a, to a theater now. Like I remember when we were in school, you're like, oh, it's two fifty Tuesdays. Like you're you're in for nothing. So yeah, it'd be, it, it's a it's a strange way, but it's cool to see an indie movie mm-hmm. actually get that release. Because yeah, I think that's fantastic. It, I didn't it, know that they. That's cool. Like the whole story about it too. It's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 So anyhow, and the last piece of news I found that I thought was worth talking about. Again, it's something with a bit more budget, but I think it has an interesting story to it. So Anthony Mackie has. Um, landed uh, um at peacock and they are uh, um adapting the twisted metal video game into a show and what i find kind of cool about it is a it was kind of a cool video game back in the day but two it just goes to show what they're doing with kind of cool old ip mm-hmm. and it's and it's when we we've talked about it before it's like sometimes just having existing ip is cool but that's why we like comic books um uh, video games whatever it might be that if you as a filmmaker can think about other random like, like just other ip has value and it's it's just to me it's like a that was a cool video game but b it goes to show that they're adapting just about anything and having something that exists before you know well is good but it's cool to see they're just coming up with anything anything that has an existing name they're gonna they're gonna adapt yeah. but twisted metal is a pretty cool idea that i remember playing i love that video game it was like playstation 2 i think it was and it had like wasn't like the ice cream truck the same one that had like the clown head on top of it yep. it was always what they put on the cover for yep. like the crazy like sort of reminded me of like um the goblin face on the front of the semi yeah. and maximum overdrive yeah. like that kind of yeah yeah, yeah no, that was a fun game. That was really cool. And I have no idea how they're going to adapt it into a TV series, but um, that's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see that. 
Yeah, so, I'm down for that for sure. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Like other other IP, you don't have to do original stuff because apparently if it's going to get made, it can't be original. It has to come from somewhere. So get out in front of, of it and go, go turn it <laughs> yeah. into a comic book. Um, okay, now onto the stuff we watched. Because this is the stuff we talked about last week that we were going to watch because it was getting released. And now we're going to talk about it this week because we've now gone out to watch it. And now it, I said I was going off Tubi and I wanted to watch something else that was, um, there was, I wanted to go back to indie horror and I picked the mutation. Yeah. Which, um, where did I watch? It was on Amazon. Amazon had the mutation. So I think you can find it on prime there. Um, so this is actually, now you and I both commented before that now this mm-hmm. name is popping up on low budget stuff. It was done by uncorked, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uncorked. Mm-hmm. and and both you and I noted, as soon as you see that uncorked, you're like, Oh, here comes a micro horror. And that's not, (laughs) and that's not to say it's bad because I love micro horror and there's a lot of good micro horror out there, but um, it's, it's funny that I guess they have a name. I'd like to do more research into, into yeah, what I've noticed about them is that they're, they do seem to have kind of like some little bit more unique ideas, but, but they're usually like pretty low budget. Like when you call it, but they, at least they try and do like different spins on stuff. But when you watch it, you're going to be watching something low budget, not like as micro as like brain damage or anything, but you're going to be definitely be watching something between the micro and ultra low budget range. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another one. And I also yeah. wonder if they're, they're, they're actually, they must actually be financing them and doing them themselves. I mean, and if they're doing multiple ones, cause I've seen the name multiple times, clearly there's a market for this and they're making money. Anyhow, let's talk about the film itself. Now the one, there's two things mm-hmm. I noticed right off the bat with this, obviously. Yeah. Again, micro budget. And if you are a micro budget filmmaker, it's a good one to watch just cause you know, it's another micro film. There's two things that stood out pretty quickly to me. Mm-hmm. One, I love the overuse of the smoke machine. <laughs> yes absolutely low budget fog is uh, is always awesome like well, uh, i remember i remember actually like making <laughs> making uh, when we were making films like out of college and stuff and you, you'd got your hands on a smoke machine like mm-hmm. i remember it looks awesome inside and they did some examples of this where they fill yeah. a they fill a dark room with smoke and you have blue light and stuff coming in and it kind of creates that james cameron kind of yeah. light type of look but then it's funny. You're kind of like, "Fuck it, I have a smoke machine. Where else can I use the smoke machine?" Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was literally the entire first twenty to thirty minutes of the film just was like the smoke machine was in every single shot. <laughs> was... Oh yeah, <laughs> people get like pissed off when you use it too because they start like coughing and everything. It totally fills up the room right away. But that was like my favorite toy next yeah. to like any kind of like severed limbs that I could find or not Correct, real ones, yeah. of course. Well, but uh, have... next to any kind of fake low budget props, eyeballs, severed heads, and stuff, the fog machine is in my the top. The fog five. machine is great. It was it was awesome because they had <laughs> a couple of scenes where he goes into the basement and I think outside and it all made sense and it looks really high budget. Mm-hmm. But then there was the scene where he's talking to his wife in the kitchen and they filled with smoke <laughs> yeah and you can see her she's sitting there talking to him and there's just smoke swirling around it was like is, is the is the something on fire on the stove or yeah <laughs> like, uh so that was the first thing i noticed but hey i i i love it because it actually they did a couple of shots with it and it looked awesome and like, yeah and I, I was just like it's fucking rat. uh the other thing that i found mm-hmm. was hilarious was that the, so it's about a it's about a huge mutated rat so mm-hmm. there's a scientist um who has who's developed something they didn't really get too deep into it, but he's done something that basically, I don't know, mutates rats. Uh, and they kind of open, but, but we don't actually see the mutation. We just kind of opened in the first few minutes with a massive rat in a cage. And of course that massive rat is really a guy kind of in a gorilla suit. Right. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's a, fucking awesome. Like at first I was disappointed because I wanted to see a puppet. Right. I was like, yeah. It's it's a meme about a mutated rat. I'm going to see a, like a giant pup, but this is going to be cool. But it was a guy in a puppet suit. But I was like, 
this guy is in like a suit like he's wearing like out of the 50s or something this is fucking awesome and they are shamelessly exploiting it constantly yeah. they don't even bother like trying to show flashes of it or anything they're like no this is our guy in our monster so going through the entire fucking movie like literally it wasn't in the darkness hiding him in the background it was like there's shots of him pumping gas just waiting for great. the bus. Like, it was great i love it yeah yeah it was, it was awesome because they just shamelessly <laughs> just threw him in every as many scenes as possible now the other one i will say to this there was some pretty awesome practical gore effects that they, yeah. they used to and i thought someone someone on on the crew or set or the filmmaker because it's you know written directed produced by the same guy um what's his name uh, i have it here yeah scott jeffrey was the writer director and producer of it uh but there was a couple of awesome effects mm -hmm. like when he when the, when the rat thing at the beginning mauls the scientist and they mm -hmm. kind of re reveal it i was like oh someone took their time on that that's pretty good gore effects there so yeah, it was it was exactly what you want to see in a in a low budget indie horror that uh, of this of this uh, budget range. I, I thought it was good. Got to go check it out. Yeah, some of the gore effects were cool, and also I was laughing at like the cheesy like rat attacks too, because he would like just jump up and kind of like pose. And then, like, when he attacked people, he would sort of paw at their face like a cat does. And then yeah. you would see where he had like some of like the fingers. That are kind of like you know you could tell it's like the prosthetic is kind of longer so they're kind of flopping a little bit as he's pawing at somebody anyways that was that was great now there's not a lot like really that makes this movie like what was bizarre about this movie is it starts right away with the killer rat and then i was like great they're not wasting any time he's attacking somebody and so but then like once they get into the plot and they kind of like weave the rat in here and there but then the plot just sort of goes into i'm a cop and i'm uh an alcoholic <laughs> And I and I'm trying to get I'm trying to get past my like personal pain that I've had. I got this rat that I'm going after is my main target. And then there's a guy that's like a zoologist going after the rat. Everybody, but it's like the total like generic like cop tropes in there. Then there's a lot of like kind of like sitting around and talking. But for that guy in that monster suit running around attacking people throughout the entire movie, that's some pretty good. That's some pretty good drunk entertainment right there. Oh yeah, I would <clears throat> definitely worth checking out. So um, now. What did you watch? Which was yours? I watched The Night Watchman. This movie is, it's sort of like, it's about these guys that are like security guards uh, in this office space. And so it has a little bit of like an office space element. But then there's a clown that dies in Romania, but he gets this, he gets, of course, like this vampire virus before he dies in Romania. So all the other clowns that are part of his like carnival troupe, they get shipped to the States for some reason. And then the security guards, they get the wrong shipment in there. So they're going to watch it. So the guys that bring it in, they're like, oh, well, crap, we brought it to the wrong place. And one of the security guards is like, oh, why don't you give me some of that weed that you usually give when you bribe us? So they give them a bunch of weed. And then they're babysitting this like coffin of this vampire clown. So, of course, the clown gets out, starts slaughtering all these people. Then a bunch of other zombies, including like zombie uh, vampire um, zombie clowns as part of the troop and then other vampire <clears throat> people attack people once were people now vampires attacking and the security guards with all their like clerks dialogue in there and their sort of mm -hmm. office space interaction then band together to defeat the the vampires but it's actually a ton of fun and it's really funny all the way through very entertaining uh, this is i think is like one of, now think about like the mutation is like it's got those great like monster scenes that you watch but like the plot in between just sort of stalls because nothing really like forwards it at all because it already happens at the very beginning mutated rat we've got to stop him throughout the rest yeah, of the we've night. already we've, we've let the cat out of the bag yeah so but in this one it's like <clears> constant <throat> action they spend a lot of you know there's there's quite a few people that attack them there's quite a few vampires that attack them in there and kind of like they use like the one setting but they use it wisely to make it look like they have quite a bit of space because it is kind of like a 
they have a warehouse section that the guards are in, and then they also have the office space area to it. So they have quite a bit of space to cover for a bunch of like attack scenes. And then they do some like fun A-team scenes and everything else like that. But it's just a really cool, enjoyable, funny uh, horror movie. And, and and what's good about it, too, is it does, in a way, spin the wheel of Tubi, as we like to say, because they're like, OK, how many different villains are out there? Yeah, and you got this. This is like, well, well, let's just spin the wheel. And the first three that come up will mash, <laughs> right. them, we'll mash yeah, them into, one, a good point. into yeah. one character. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, what's the first one? We've got clowns. Mm-hmm. Great. OK, what's the next next one? It's it's vampires yeah. and zombies. OK, let's, let's make that into one big sort of that's one creature now so <laughs> yeah th- th- this could be a lesson to others out there it's like it's it's sort of it, again it goes back to the cabin in the woods you know board mm-hmm. you know pick two or three what i like about this is the fact that you know it's basically they mash together vampires clowns and uh and and zombies and put them all together and i think it's you know you can learn a lesson there just find three tropes out there whatever they are mash them together and come up with a loose plot that makes it make sense right <laughs> yeah that's true and you're absolutely right about that because there's even one part of the movie where one of the characters gets confused about what they are he's like are these zombies or are these vampires are they like are they like some new sort of species are they like zombies some kind of new monster yeah. but i thought that was kind of funny because that's basically like exactly what the audience is thinking what yeah that's actually what the audience is thinking <laughs> but i like the idea it's like you know they've never made like a werewolf clown movie like done let's make a werewolf clown mm-hmm. movie um so anyhow now my dog's going bonkers can you hear that yeah your old dog was cujo just got like that that rabies virus from beating that bat right okay so you better be careful so now very quickly uh to end this all off we're going to get to what's on our radar for next week uh what's being released now i've decided um that i'm going to go with an old school movie that's just getting a re-release on shutter i think it's on shutter it's getting the re-release and that is the town that dreaded sundown the town that dreaded sundown came out in 1976 it was kind of like a like at the time it was like kind of a big slasher movie that came out it was loosely based on a on a um on a true story and what i what it's been years since i've seen it but the reason i'm going to re-watch it is because if you remember in college my senior film uh, was a uh, short horror film called The Town That Dreaded Some Clown. Yes. So I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, well, that's a good reference. I am going to rewatch this and I'm going to relive why I made The Town That Dreaded Some Clown <laughs> yeah. based off The Town That Dreaded Sundown. But for those who are interested in, you know, I mean, it's it's it's, it's a horror it's an iconic horror film that I think everyone kind of references and knows. Oh, yeah. you know, it doesn't get a lot of play. So it's a 1976 horror, Town the Dreaded Sundown. It's going to be showing up on Shutter this weekend. That's going to be the one I'm going to check out. Excellent. So the movie that I'll be checking out is there's a movie that's coming to Tubi, and you and I were talking about it right before we recorded, is the Adam Rifkin movie Director's Cut that mm-hmm. Penn Gillette is in. <clears throat> yeah. So I've heard a lot of good stuff about this one. Haven't seen it yet. I'm excited to check this one out. Yeah, and it's one that I've read about, heard about, but it's cool that's now coming out. Like sometimes these movies get buried. I think it's actually from like 2018, 2017, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and sometimes they get buried. They get like a weird indie release, but they they pop up again. And this is one that I remember. And as soon as I said, hey, this is coming out this week, that's gonna be a good one. So yeah, Rifkin's really cool. He's he's been like mainstream and he's also been on the fringes throughout his entire career. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the dark backward. Have you ever seen that one with Bill Paxton? Oh. That's a really cool movie. I'll have to, I'll see if I can find that for you. It's got to be on some platform. What's another one of his that I like quite a bit? Oh, Detroit Rock City. That's a fantastic mm, movie. Yeah. Then he did that movie with Burt Reynolds. The last movie that Burt Reynolds was in, it was a total tribute to him. If you ever saw that one. No. I remember the, but yeah, name? this is good. I think this is supposed to be like, um, 
like one of those kind of sort of like a lot of long takes and kind of like in the moment, like as it's happening kind of movie, like a found footage type of thing with yeah. director's cut. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I, <clears throat> as soon as I saw it, I was like, I remember this coming out, but I never had a chance to see it. So yeah, I'm going to chip me checking that one out. All right. So those are the two that are on our radar for this upcoming week. And we'll be checking out that are getting new releases. So we're both kind of checking out older films that are, that are now seeing the light again. Uh, mine's from 1976. Yours is from about 2018. So, uh, we will uh, be back next week to report on those and other stuff that we find in the news. Anything else to report? Oh, that's it for now. Oh, actually, well, next week I'll kind of sort of recap about the uh, the Batman experience, and then I'll see like what the price difference is. I bet I've been hearing it's about almost two dollars more than any other movie in the theater uh, right now. Well, it would be interesting to hear about that too. All <laughs> yeah. right, all right, cool. And then until next week. Okay, until next week.